Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Holiday Music Volume 2, where Al and I will be curating side B of a mixtape featuring another round of tunes for the holiday season. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, Side A was a holly jolly experience, so I'm looking forward to what is in store here on Side B. Um, Oh, it was, you know, A was a very eclectic mix, but side B is no different. <laughs> I'm looking forward to discussing a few of these. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, well, that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting conversation this week um, for for a few of them anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that uh, the listeners liked what they heard last week and we're just going to give you more of the same. Really no introductions needed. Nope, let's so. get started. Um, I get to start first here for Side B, and I'm going to go with a interesting new wave take on a classic, and I'm talking about the Eurythmics Winter Wonderland, which comes off the 1987 Very Special Christmas album, the red one. Yep. Now, I had to, I love the Eurythmics, mm-hmm. and Winter Wonderland is one of my absolute, it may be my favorite holiday uh, standard. I am not a fan of this one. I found out this is a version you either love or you hate. Yeah, I've never, I, and I love the Eurythmics. I mean, Annie Lennox can do no wrong except this particular cover. I just, I, there's something about the percussion in it. And, and the, the very beginning's really off. Well, to me okay, too. so I'll do my best to defend why I like it. You okay. can tell me why yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, you, you go for it. Uh, this, this song, which came out in the 1930s, is classic. It's been around a long time. Again, not, not technically a Christmas song. It's, it's, it's a winter song. Right. Um, which was actually written uh, by a songwriter who was recovering from tuberculosis. Um, he was in his bed and couldn't really go out and was looking out the window at all the people having fun in the snow, and he wrote this song. Uh, it's been covered over 200 times. Um, so when a song's covered that many times, you're really looking for a fresh take on it. Right. And um, of, of all the songs that were covers in, in my list, I think this one is the freshest take. It may not be fresh to your liking, but it's the, the, the freshest take in the way that it, it makes it a new wave, I think classic, a new wave classic. Um, it does. It begins with a brand new verse and melody. And I kind of looked back. I didn't listen to all 200, but I, I want to say this is the first time that this new verse and melody has been included. Yeah. That they were the, that the Eurythmics wrote this. Well, I, I could be wrong. I, I don't know that I've ever heard it in any other version since either. Okay. I, um, so I'm, we're going we're gonna to say the Eurythmics wrote this, this portion of the song. And so if we're wrong, let us know. Um, but it, it, yes, it starts off with this kind of whole different song. And then it, it uh, goes into the traditional tune. Musically... The bass of the song is heavily synthesized, but I feel like the mix really allows it to to support the song rather than overpower it. Um, If the mix were different, it could have been, you know, this kind of lame, slow techno beat type of thing. But because they keep it down in the mix a little bit, it just gives it a modern, fresh feel, modern in the 80s at least, mm-hmm. um, that I kind of like. And again, remember, this was a time when, we talked about that last week, when so many of the Christmas songs on the radio were just the, the traditional big band crooner early rock and roll songs, like Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree and um, what was the other big one? Uh, uh, Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock, yeah. right? Yeah. And so during the 80s, when Eurythmics were big, and, and, and synth, I mean, heck, even Bruce Springsteen used uh, overused synth on, on Born in the USA, um, this felt like a really fresh take on an old classic and and i really really liked it for that over the ground lies a mantle of white a heaven of diamonds shine down through the night 
Two hearts are thrilling in spite of the chill and the weather. Love knows no season, love knows no climb. Romance can blossom any old time. Here in the open, we're walking and hoping together. Sleigh bells ring. You know, I've, I have no qualms with it being there. I'm, I'm never going to say no to the Eurythmics. <laughs> but I just, I, this is this is the one version of a song I love that I just, I, I there's no love loss for it. And, it, you know, it's funny too because I thought of adding uh, an analytics uh, track to my list. I didn't do it. Put a little obviously. love in your heart? I was going to mm-hmm. go put a little love in your heart. Without which, Green. Which is technically not at all a Christmas Song, but it was used in the in the soundtrack Scrooge, to Scrooge, yeah, right? And and then I I didn't do it, but I um yeah I just I, I again no qualms with you including it by any means, but I just I'm not a fan, not of this one. I, there's just that that first verse to me it's just so it's just so off putting. I, I just can't it it. it wrecks the entire song for me and then the percussion the synth is just so heavy and I I see the I see the new intro as kind of a portal into this whole other thing where they take something old and make it new and that's why I like it yeah fair enough I get it alright your, your next one alright well I begin this week with my second of three Hanukkah songs and I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing this <laughs> because I spent a lot of time last year introducing part one. Are there four um, ports? There, there are four, right? There are four. four. Parts. Yeah. Now, if we actually do four Christmas, uh, you know, episodes, then uh, I'm, I'm set for two more. <laughs> but yeah, he he now has four parts to this. This is the Hanukkah song part two by by Adam Sandler. This one was released in '96. And you know it's it's every bit as fun as the original Hanukkah song. I might like it better. Yeah, well, it, it's a better list of. You got Springsteen, Dylan, Happy Gilmore. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I, Adam Sandler's second list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me, quote unquote, um, includes among others uh, Winona Ryder, <laughs> Courtney Love, Lenny Kravitz, the girls from Veruca Salt, and all three Beastie Boys. Um, yeah, it's it's just a better list of well, and the Springsteen line's great. Like part one, it was Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Right, but um, of course, Springsteen is a very Jewish sounding name, and he's not Jewish. But a lot of people do think, and so the line that you know he isn't, but his mother thinks he is, that's perfect. That's yeah. gold. And then of course, um, Dylan having converted to Christianity for a time. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm not convinced that he ever completely abandoned that. I think Dylan may have found a way to incorporate both in his faith system. You know, I've I've heard both takes. I, I, Basically, what it comes down to is that Dylan has never confirmed nor denied that he is still evangelical or that he has returned to Judaism. Um, I mean, because because culturally, you know, I I know Jews for Jesus is kind of uh, seen uh, as a cult in the Jewish community. So I'm not going there. I'm just I'm just saying 
Um, Jewish, tell me if I'm wrong here, but Jewish is a religion, but it's also a culture. Oh, very much. Okay, so somebody could have a spiritual belief system that maybe doesn't align directly with uh, Judaism, but can celebrate the culture aspects that that person was raised with growing up. They could. You usually don't find, because Christianity in, in so many ways is antithetical to, to the Jewish teachings, which a lot of people, a lot of non-Jews think that because Christianity comes from you know Judaism, that they're more aligned than they actually are. Um, but what you find more often is that culturally, you have a, a whole lot of Jews that are atheist. I mean, more than any other religion in the world, we have so many atheist Jews who will, you know, they will defend tooth and nail, you know, anything Jewish, but they do not celebrate, they do not worship, they do not, um, you know, attend services. They, they, for all intents and purposes, they don't believe in God, and but it's the culture. You know, it's so ingrained. Um, so that supports my, my theory. It, it does. In know, a way that I, I suppose it's the same for Christmas, too, because there are a lot of secular people. Right. You know, atheists, agnostics that still celebrate Christmas. Of course, a lot of pagan traditions included in that, which we'll Absolutely. get to later on. But yeah. yeah, so very similar. It is, yeah. Um, and, and Judaism, you know, Judaism recognizes you as Jewish, provided your mother was Jewish. So even if you leave the religion... The religion still recognizes you as Jewish because of the bloodline. So, Bo so Bob's fine either way. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's covered. covered either yeah, way. Yeah, his bases are covered, which is probably why he doesn't <laughs> care enough to acknowledge, you know, the the questions that exist. Um, but but Sandler Sandler's gotten you know uh, a few things wrong in his. Oh, did he? Oh, it, here mm. and there, yeah. Uh, he's he's named people that did not convert. He's named people that, uh, yeah. You know, did, did Wikipedia fail him? Well, it's 96. I'm not sure he would have found it. On yeah, Wikipedia. I don't know about that. But uh, like Rod Carew in the first one, mm -hmm. Rod Carew never converted oh, to okay. Judaism, okay. which, of course, Sandler says that he does. So if, you know, if Bob Dylan did or did not return uh, to the tribe, who knows? But, but uh, yeah, Judaism is going to recognize him regardless, even though, yeah, uh, you know, Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity, is so not in in line. But... Culturally, it's, you know, it's all good. Time to take out the menorahs. Put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Festival of Lights. Instead of one day of presents, we get eight crazy nights. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a new list of people who are Jewish. Just like you and me. Shevitz wine Then spins a dreidel With Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein Guess who gives and receives Loads of Hanukkah toys The girls from Baruch Assault And
and all three Beastie Boys. Why is Hanukkah spelled so many different ways? Because there is no English spelling for anything in Hebrew. Um, what, what you have is a transliteration, uh, which means that they take a Hebrew word and they try to give you uh, an English pronunciation of it. Um, and the, the actual, the holiday, it's actually pronounced Hanukkah, um, which is always fun. It sounds like you're clearing your throat. It's a, uh, um, you know, there is no ha, you know, that, that hard uh, sound in the English language. Would you like a tissue there? Uh, maybe. Uh, but, um, so the CH uh, was, was used largely to create that sound phonetically. But, but that's um, more of a ch sound. Yeah, well, it is, um, which is why, um, you know, through the years, the, the Jewish community dropped the C I gotcha. and okay. went with the H. But, you know, it's also not a huh sound. It's, you know, it's not how it's spelled in Hebrew either. Uh, you know, it doesn't begin with the Hebrew letter hey, which makes that H sound. So the transliterate, because transliteration is not an actually, not actually a spelling, it's just a phonetic attempt to allow you to pronounce the Hebrew word. Different culture, not cultures, different uh, regions. It's, it's like colloquialism. You okay. know? It's different uh, vernacular, different regions and different, you know, the Ashkenazic Jews and the Sephardic Jews. And you know, just depending on where you came from, they had a different transliterative spelling. It's like the Oxford comma. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and, gotcha. and when it comes together, you know, here in America where you have all these different transliteration possibilities, it's nobody knows how the hell to spell it, but that's because it's not an English word. There you so, go. I got my question answered. Yep. So, yeah, you you will find Hanukkah spelled in uh, probably a hundred different ways. And, um, yeah, transliteration to me is just funny anyway. Uh, Hebrew is one of those languages that, you know, every good Jew who has been bar or bat mitzvahed, they all learned to read Hebrew. It does not necessarily mean they have the slightest clue what they're reading. Hmm. Uh, it, it's really, it, not a lot of us do. I mean, I, I know... I remember some, I don't remember enough, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you learn how to read it, which is different from being able to translate it. And then the transliteration is a spelling phonetically of, you know, the it, it gets really just confusing. So I, I totally get the question. Um, but yeah, there, there you go. The, the Hanukkah song, part, All right. part two, Adam Sandler. Very good. I'll have to listen to the other two at some point. Well, I don't know. Well, I'd, say, I'd say we put them on the alternates list, but if we're going to save them for possible future. Yeah, see, I'm, I don't know what to do on that one. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, going along with picking songs that don't fit the traditional narrative for a Christmas holiday song, let's go with the Ramones from yes. 1989, a song called Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight. <laughs> And this song comes from the latter half of the Ramones' career in, in 89, although to me, it sounds like it could have come off one of the first three records that came out in the late 70s. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's Joey's, you know, Joey's song. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, you have his, his unique vocal styling. You have, you know, John Ramones' guitar tone. You have right. that tight, early rock and roll structure. Yeah, well, well, Joey, I mean, he always brought the 60s pop sensibility especially. I mean, right. he, he just loved that, you know, the... The chord changes, you know. Uh, so I mean, what is it? The one four five, I think, is what right. they they primarily use, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, this one though, I, I have to ask you. I don't know enough about the Ramones. Okay, I, I I like the Ramones. You are the the diehard, but I know he and Johnny. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they were 
arch enemies yes. times. Yes. Does this song refer to he and Johnny's relationship in any way? Mm, I, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, yeah. The, the, well, basically, Johnny took Joey's um, girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, there's a song, The KKK Took My Baby Away. Um, which I always thought it was just kind of a quirky Ramon song. Um, most people interpret it as because, um, not to get too deep in Ramon's lore here, but but Johnny Ramon uh, was a conservative. Okay, was 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 a Reagan conservative all through you know his his life. See, I didn't, I didn't and, and Joey uh, was not <laughs> quite the opposite. Okay, um, and so you know Joey would write songs about Reagan. They were kind of thinly veiled, like Bonzo Goes to Pittsburgh and songs like that. And so that that was part of their conflict. But then yes, then. <laughs> Johnny steals Joey's girlfriend, I believe marries her. And so they stick it out as a band through all of this, right? Wow. So the song, The KKK, Took My Baby Away, was kind of his slightly veiled way of taking it at Johnny. So, yeah, they did not get along. So it, it could very well have something to do with that. Okay. Um, but I think it's maybe more of just the fact that, you know, Joey wanted to write a, a Christmas song. And, and li- like we said before, I mean, the holidays, many people suffer over the holidays, right? There's stress, there's tension, flat out conflict sometimes. Right. And that's something that people don't really talk about much. In fact, I guess maybe it's your personality. I'm very much of a, of a positive person. And so I look, at, I look at Christmas from a distance and I'm like, oh, the lights, the music, the snow, yay. And then I actually get to Christmas sometimes and I'm like, why am I so excited for this holiday? <laughs> I'm so tired and I just don't want to go over to this person's house right now and sit there and have to yeah. talk and eat this food. And sometimes fights do arise because we're all on edge. And, and that's not something you typically write a Christmas song about. But the Ramones, of course, it okay. makes sense. Merry Christmas, I don't want to I can tell you that in a future version of, I don't remember if it's part three or part four, but Joey Ramone does make the Hanukkah song. Oh, right, good. So, nice Jewish boy, and it makes sense that he'd be the liberal because he's a nice Jewish boy. So, yeah, I um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I, I just saw, the, you know, I always knew the song, but I, I didn't know if it specifically was saying, I don't want to fight with you, Johnny. Yeah, it could, it could be know. part of it, sure. Okay, but my, my wife had, had a saying growing up, um, I don't know if she she may have originated it or it's some, somewhere else, but uh, she always says, uh, it's the holidays, we're all suffering. So <laughs> this fits right along with that. Got it. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's a fun song. It does sound like early. Um... Yeah, I mean, later on, later Ramones, um, when you when you get uh, uh, Marky uh, Ramon is involved and then he begins to, to write and take the band in, in some different directions. Um 
but you know, even though they experiment a little bit, they would oftentimes just return back to their roots. Couldn't remember if it was three or four. I just looked it up. Um, the line that comes from the Hanukkah song part three. Oh, okay. Once Joey Ramone invented punk rock music, but bef- first came Hebrew school is the actual nice. line where he refers to him. Yeah. Um, part three. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, I just didn't know. Now th- they were on the back. They were kind of on the slide though. I mean, my understanding, and I, again, I I don't want to spend too long on the Ramones, but most people say that eighty. What, what's the album from eighty four? Um, a lot of people say it's it was the last great album. Oh gosh, eighty four would have been. Um, was it Brain Drain? Maybe too too tough to die. Maybe or yeah, too tough. That might have been eighty four. Okay, yeah. but I this one they're on the back half. Yeah, you know, and, oh, yeah. and a lot of you know music critics were saying that they were sliding, but. Yeah, I, this one to me sounds really fresh. Well, I think they stayed fresh for the most part, but but the problem was um, they just never were commercially successful. They never made any money. Okay. They, they influenced so many other bands. Um, they were part of pop culture um, history um, in so many different ways, especially the song, you know, Blitzkrieg Bop. I mean, that was everywhere after it appeared first in, in Vacation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it obviously was written before that, but it, I think that's the first time it might have appeared in a, in a feature film um, and, and gained lots of traction. But the Ramones were always such a huge influence, and yet they just never had that commercial success. They never sold out the big arenas. They never had the number one records. And then... Well, Green Day had to piss them off. Well, that's, that's exactly why they broke up, because when Green Day comes along, and, and Green Day's different... Um, but but it's still rooted in that same three chord punk tradition, right? And of course, Dookie, which I think was their second album, was huge. You know, sold yeah. millions of copies, and they became a somewhat overnight success. I will say they had the help of MTV, which the Ramones did not in 1976. But basically, the band said, "Yeah, screw it." Okay, so we they spent what three decades trying to to break in and be successful and actually make some money, and here come these Johnny Come Latelys and. They did it right, and they were just like, "All right, we're done. We're tired. We're tired of trying to to, to make money." So that's what broke them up. So that's kind of what broke them up. Unfortunately, you know, very soon after they broke up, three of the of the four members passed away. Yeah, uh, almost, all because of cancer. Yeah, almost in succession. Well, DD, well, DD might have been a drug overdose. He had his issues all throughout, but I know that Joey and Johnny both died of cancer. Okay. Yeah. All right, you're uh, up. All right. Well, um, okay. My my next selection, uh, this one comes from 1965. Uh, it is part of the Motown canon. Before Prince, folks, there was Marvin Gaye, <laughs> okay, who uh, it turns out also apparently had an affinity for the color purple. Uh, the song is titled Purple Snowflakes. Um, and and this 1965 song, I mean, it is just, it's beautiful. I mean, it's almost otherworldly. I'd never heard this song before. Really? It's very beautiful. Yeah, I, I love this song. I, Marvin Gaye, I mean, he just has that flawless falsetto, and, and there, there are these unexpected chord changes. It, there's just a sense of mystery to the, to the entirety uh, of the song. Yet it's wrapped up in this most comforting Christmas imagery, chestnuts roasting, blankets of white. But it never, nowhere in this song does it ever explain why the snowflakes are purple. And that was my question. What's the symbolism of the purple snowflake? No idea. I, I the I only thing I could think know. of during this time period was this like late sixties, uh, mid mid sixties. Yeah, okay, mid sixties. You had a lot of um, 
uh, we would say now kind of chintzy Christmas decorations. True. Well, even the Peanuts special is about that. All the glitter and the right, yeah. the colored trees, the green and purple, whatever. I wonder if maybe there was a Christmas tree and someone had purple snowflake ornaments on the tree. I don't know. Or, or purple tinsel. Or, yeah, yeah some, I, something. The aluminum. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, per, it, it's just, you know, Prince makes sense because purple is the color of royalty. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I get that. But, yeah, I, nowhere have I ever heard an explanation and the song makes no attempt uh, to, to explain why the snowflakes are purple. It, it just just is. You're just supposed to go with it, I guess. Um, but it, it really is. It's a unique and, and striking song. Uh, and, you know, it, it has that subtle soul energy and just this delicate arrangement. I mean, it, it mimics a, a quiet winter evening. And it's just, it's a scene where, where flurries descend softly into a frozen world and Gay charts their paths slowly from the heavens into a blanket of white as he croons I'm sure the snowflakes fall from the gloom. I will always remember this night here with you. I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful song. Softly they float, where do they go? Summer flowers bloom Here in our nest We're surely blessed Chestnuts Over the heat She ain't like sweet Drifting on air Without a care Cover the ground Without a sound As sure as snowflakes I was really excited to include I almost included it last year and, and didn't and this year I thought nope it, it's time so. it's one that grew on me too at first I was like oh, okay you know it's Marvin Gaye and then the second or third time I really really mm-hmm. kind of took it through its well it, it, the intro is misleading too because the piano sounds as though it's going to be more of an up-tempo uh, song and then once he begins I mean it's just this beautiful very soulful ballad it's it's kicking back with your lady and yeah it's exactly on the couch at christmas and having a, some wine and just relaxing yeah to, to me it's like the you know almost, almost like a in direct you know a direct line you can trace it back to to nat king cole and you know the, the christmas song it has that same feel to me the same vibe i'll so. definitely be including this song in my my current christmas okay. playlists I'm glad you like it all right, well, if I had a category for the classic obligatory song, this would be uh, uh, the next, this is the area that I feel with this song, and I'm talking of, like, I think last time I chose um, Christmas Time from the Peanuts special as, yes. my, as my obligatory song. Uh, I'm going with the Chipmunk song. And, of course, if you don't, if you're an American and don't know the Chipmunk song, then I don't know. Every, you, everybody you, knows the Chipmunk or song. You've been, okay? Everybody I, better know the Chipmunk song. But I thought, why not throw on one that everybody knows for sure? This is the Chipmunk song. Christmas, don't be late is the um, subtitle, which I used to always think it was Christmas, don't delay. 
Hmm. And then I found out it was Christmas, Don't Be Late. So I suppose they both work, right? By Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, and it originally premiered in 1958. Um, in fact, I, if you were to appear on Family Feud, Alan, and you were to be asked to name an all-time classic holiday song, I would guess this is probably going to be near the top of the surveys list. See, I don't know. I mean, it, it is. I don't, and I love the song, but but I don't know that people immediately think novelty when they think Christmas classics necessarily. I mean, novelty is certainly it's everywhere in the Christmas season, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think more people go Sinatra than they go Alvin and the Chipmunks. Okay, so maybe the category was novelty Christmas songs. It, well, then it would probably be number one. Then it's the number one pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without without a question. The song actually won three Grammys in 1958. Did it really? It won Best Comedy Performance, Best Children's Recording, and Best Engineered Record, which makes sense when you think about the time in 1958, they did not have Pro Tools. All right. Everything had to be done on tape. We talked about this before, like with Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon and how they had to take all these different sounds and take, literally cut and paste the tape together to make this work. And so uh, David Seville, who was the mastermind of this, recorded all of the different parts himself. And then, of course, he sped the tape up for the chipmunk effect and had to arrange all of that. So the engineering with that archaic equipment was quite a feat oh, yeah. and a well-deserved uh, Grammy Award for that. Um, in fact, this song had the um, distinction of being the only Christmas song to hit the number one spot on Billboard for 61 years. Wow. What song dethroned it, Alan? Uh, the only Christmas song to hit number one was the Chipmunk song. So you see now why this deserves right. a place in our playlist. was finally dethroned by another song. I'm thinking... I'll give you a little, I don't know if this helps as a clue, but this the song that Wham. dethroned it actually came out 20 years before it dethroned it. Okay, then it's not Wham. <laughs> I was going to say Last Christmas. Um, I mean, there's no way it's Mariah, because she that wasn't even released as a single. It is Mariah. But, okay, 2019. 20 years before it, yes. yeah, okay, yeah. So in 2019, All I Want for Christmas is you finally, finally hit, hit number, number one, one, probably because of streams being included right. now in Billboard. And so now there are only two songs that have ever hit, hit number one okay. on the Hot 100. And I should have known that because last year I included Mariah and I told the story of how it took 20 right. years to, to hit number one. Um, but but this, this song would in, continue to re-enter the Hot 100 over the years. Uh, in fact, the most recent, in 2007, the Chipmunk song was in the Hot 100. Mm -hmm. Primarily because that was the year the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie came out. Right, yeah, yeah. All right, you chipmunks. Ready to sing your song? I say we are. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Simon. Okay. Okay, Theodore. Okay. Okay, Alvin. Alvin. Alvin! Speaking of Wham, do you play Whamageddon? <laughs> so, do you know Whamageddon? It is, no, the, I don't. it is the attempt not. It's the attempt to avoid Last Christmas through the end of December. I, I like that and song. I don't know that am, song. Uh, 
I uh, like it. Really? Yeah, I do. You've never included it. You're right, I haven't. I don't know why, but I like <laughs> okay, that song. Fair enough. I am um, maybe because last year you told me not to. I don't know. Did we have that conversation? Mm-hmm. No, no, I've never. Okay. No, I've never told you not to. But maybe because it's um, overplayed. I try to avoid some of the ones but, that are overplayed. Yeah. Well, every year we play Whamageddon, which is this attempt not to hear okay. last Christmas. I already lost the damn game. You already lost. I the haven't fir- heard it yet. The first Christmas song that I heard this year when I was walking in into a store was last Christmas. At least it wasn't Christmas and, shoes. Yeah, no, it wasn't Christmas shoes. But um, I, I was told, my, my son uh, was very generous. He said, Dad, it's not December yet, so it doesn't count. Oh, so, see. Yeah, so I was like, after my own heart. okay, so I, I will I will save that. Well, I'm gonna, play, I'm gonna play Christmas shoes again and make sure that I don't hear that song the entire holiday season. <laughs> That's gonna be my goal. You know how close I came. Oh. <laughs> I could not bring myself to be an asshole oh, like that. You guys, I, if you go back I, and listen uh, to last year's episode, there's a little story about yeah. me and the song Christmas nah, Shoes. I would never do that to you, but it Thank was you. so tempting. It, it, <laughs> it was there's so two songs tempting. that I can't, like, by the way, the other song that I cannot listen to without breaking down was just re-released last week. What's that? Taylor Swift's um, Red Album was re-released. And, yeah, and it's Ta- inc- Taylor's version. Incredible. Yeah. Um, but there was an outtake uh, or a, an alternate song that she did, um, I believe for charity, called uh, Ronan, which is about a little boy who has a rare disease and dies as, an, as a toddler, essentially. Well, that's Cherry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She doesn't <laughs> so, play it live. I don't even know how she recorded it, the, the, not much less re-recorded it again for the for the new version. Um, that and Christmas Shoes. I, I, can't, um, I can't make it through those two without breaking down. The only song that gets me, the only song that I have ever, I, I mean, I, I tear up every time is Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, there, there's no one. other song that has ever had that effect on me. Um, certainly not a Christmas song, but I, um, I, I get it. No, I, I I was I was real tempted. And I'm like I can't do that. Um, I'm not, well, I'm not that big a jerk. So, in that stack of records that I had as a kid, that were my parents basically that I listened to every Christmas. The there there was a double album. I think there were, of course, several Christmas Chipmunks albums over the years. Um, this one was a double album in the sense that like I think they were two single releases in one year. The record company put them out as as one release because on one side of the cover was the was the front cover of the one and one on the other and it opened up and um, it had both records in it and so um, chipmunks as a child were my favorite Christmas treat and so they had all the different Christmas songs covered by the chipmunks but this one at the time of course I didn't know this was kind of unique later on I found out that that was a huge hit I I own the double album as well and I mean we obviously did not own many Christmas albums but I we own this and I or I did and I played it Relentlessly, and you gotta love David Seville's just outright rage. Oh yeah, it's it's great. You know, <laughs> so many people argue that this is a divisive song. You know, I, I've I've heard people say how much this song just grates on their nerves. I don't buy it. I, I think that you're probably bluffing if you don't crack a smile when singing along with Alvin's yeah. wishes for a hula hoop. Yeah. I mean, who does not love this song? I, I and think, David Seville just goes nuts. Yeah, I think I, I do not buy for a minute that people exist in any way who hate this song, even though so many people are quick to say that they do. Yeah. So I, one thing is guaranteed, it is always a kid pleaser. Yep. And, you know, I'm a big kid. I love this tune. I always have. So, um, no, I was thrilled that you included it. So, but... Yeah, no, they do. I know so many people who insist that this, that, you know, they hate when this comes on at the Christmas season. I'm thinking, I don't, I don't buy it. Well, I'll say bah humbug to those people. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. 
Talking about kind of sad songs. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, I have two in a row, actually. Yes, you do. Um, but I, I had them last year, too. You know, I, I, you last week just said that, you know, you were going for every emotion. Yeah. yeah. There, there are sad Christmas songs. Um, okay. My first of the two is Hard Candy Christmas. And um, from a musical, no it, less. It is, yes. Uh, Dolly Parton, well, Dolly Parton, I mean, she's recorded enough holiday material to keep an enthusiast occupied until Valentine's Day, probably. But, but this particular song, Hard Candy Christmas, uh, it was originally written uh, for the 1978 musical The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And I'll tell you what, this song feels particularly potent. I, the, the phrase Hard Candy Christmas actually refers to a time when families who did not have much money could only afford to give hard candy to their children at Christmas. Where I think Christmas... Their, their gift was a candy cane. You know, it was a hard candy Christmas. And and the hard candy metaphor, I mean, it suggests that life can be simultaneously hard and sweet. So I, I, I get all that. In truth, this song, again, really is not a holiday song. I mean, it, it just, it, it's not. Even Dolly Parton has conceded this is not really a Christmas song at all. But ever since Parton recorded the track for its film adaptation, it's become a country staple in December. And, you know, it's meditation on keeping a stiff upper lip. To me, that is worth internalizing as year two of the pandemic comes to a long awaited end. Hey, maybe I'll dye my hair. Maybe I'll move somewhere. Maybe I'll get a car. Maybe I'll drive so far that I'll lose track. Me. What starts as an acoustic dirge about the uncertainty uh, of the season, uh, you know, it becomes a twangy anthem for accepting and adapting to change circumstances. You know, I'll be fine and dandy. Lord, it's like a hard candy Christmas. I'm barely getting through tomorrow, but still I won't let sorrow bring me way down. You know, while, while some of the best holiday tracks focus on the sneaky sadness of forced holiday cheer, this particular song it's just a declaration, you know, of, of much-needed optimism. And then, you know, it, it, it can be a wholly depressive season for so many people. And, and this song is just about hanging in there, things will get better. Plus, frankly, there just aren't enough Christmas songs about prostitutes. So, well, yeah, there's yeah, that. I'm going to throw that out there. And then, yeah, Hard Candy Christmas. Well, there's I a lot of hope. To, there's hope in the song. It's, it's sadness turned to hope. I, that's what I kind of like Exactly. About. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So... I, I'm, you know, I do love. Dolly. I'm not a country fan per se, but I, I always will have a, a place in my heart for Dolly Parton. I, I adore her. So, um, there you go. That was that's my number nine pick. 
All right. Well, switching gears, uh, 180. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we uh, we referred to this song um, earlier in the broadcast. This is a Santa's Beard by They Might Be Giants. Not to be confused with the Beach, the Beach Boys. Boys. Yes. Right. And again, this is another song that did not appear on a Christmas compilation. <laughs> it appeared on their second album, Lincoln. And at the t- I don't know if that I ever even considered it a Christmas song at the time when I was listening to this album back in, in high school. Mm. Uh, it was just another quirky song by They Might Be Giants. See, again, the first time I heard the song was on a cart in the W. Oh, did they play it in FAL? Studio. Yeah, okay. we, we well, had it right, in our Christmas sense. collection. That was I didn't know the song until then. This is another take on the um, the trope, which I can't believe this is a trope, of the cheating with Santa Claus. <laughs> right. Of course, you have um, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus. Uh, you have Backdoor Santa. There's all sorts of these weird... There's also I Saw Daddy Kissing Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's, there's which, which in fairness, I mean, it, it's mommy dressed in costume, but... Um, but yeah, somehow there's this this thing about yeah, it, it's sexualizing Santa Claus, it, it really which is, is kind of uh, disturbing. But yeah, um, this time it's the man who is feeling insecure about his significant other's close relationship with one of Santa's helpers. Um, well, it's his best friend, right? His best friend is always dressing as Santa. Santa, I think, is how the lyrics. Yeah, and I'm assuming yeah. he's like. I'm guessing maybe it's too literal, but he's working as a. As a Santa, um, you know, that's my, my mom always told me as a kid because you know if you were a pretty smart kid, if you're old enough, you could tell that the the guy at the mall was was not the oh, real yeah, Santa, yeah. right? And so you know that was Santa's helper. There were people around the world that helped him, and so um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, they might be giants. You never know because so much of their stuff is just random. Oh yeah, um, or just <laughs> without, used for phonetic effect. Without so question, it doesn't really matter. Once a year, my friend puts on a Like Tom Petty, uh, before it, this is one of my favorite, um, favorite of the, of the newer, yeah. uh, of that '80s wave. And I again, it's just it's, so random. It's I so love weird. that you included it because I ever, last year and this year both I, I thought about it and then I I didn't. But it it is the song makes no sense. And, and if your friend is dressing as Santa and your wife is wearing his beard sitting on his lap, <laughs> then he's not your friend. It's, it's not overly complicated, you know? I just feel sometimes music takes itself way too seriously. It does, yes. And it's nice to break away that for, uh, from that once in a while. In fact, I, I know some people that just do not like They Might Be Giants. And what they don't like is the fact, in fact, one of my friends said, well, they, they're just, just being weird to be weird or trying to be quirky to be quirky. Uh, I disagree. Uh, I think they're just having fun in their own way. Yeah. And they're just not taking themselves too seriously. I, I agree. And there's nothing wrong with that. And and they're another band. There There is a fabled uh, Hanukkah album, or at least an EP that they put out mm. oh, some time ago. I, I still really have never heard what's on it. I, I don't know. It was out of print for a while. I don't know if you can get it now. And I've never actually checked Spotify to see if they have it. But... Um, 
Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they are very much in keeping with another one of your favorite bands, which is Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, yeah. To yeah, me, the similar. two are very similar. Yeah, they're um, a little more random than uh, Bare yeah. Naked Ladies. No, they are, but I, I, I just, I've always loved them, and, and it's just... They Might Be Giants have a song, um, of course, you know I'm into presidential history, and the first, it probably was the very first campaign song was Tippecanoe and Tyler too. So when William Henry Harrison and John Tyler were running for the presidency under the Whig Party, um, before this time, it was seen kind of like it wasn't you didn't really campaign. Other people campaigned for you. It, it was just seen as as like not 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 unethical, but just it just seemed arrogant to to campaign for yourself. Okay. All right. But things began to change in the country at the time, and they decided they would actually campaign. And so they would go to these cities and give speeches and so forth. And the people running the campaign would would pass out these song sheets of music, and people would learn the song and they would sing it. And so there was an actual song for Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Well, they might be giants. Got a hold of the original sheet music and they re-recorded it, or they recorded it. I guess it wouldn't have been recorded back back then. Yeah. And so that's just one of those things where sometimes it seems random, but then when you find out the story behind, so. If you didn't know, if you, you know, Tippecanoe and Tyler, too, if you didn't know that was a presidential campaign back in the 1830s or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of cool. And not too many bands would do that. Yeah, that's, that is. That's very cool. I, but yeah, I, I I love the randomness. And yeah, I mean, Bare Naked, like I said, I, I think Crosby stills a Nash for Bare Naked. Well, that's a good example. Ladies, that's you know, a good very example. Very similar. Right, but right, right. I am. Um, yeah. Santa's beard. I, I love this. too. I, I hadn't. Huh. I had no idea that that song was actually historically a political song. That that's Tippecanoe and Tyler, too, yeah, not yeah, Santa's yeah. Beard. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, Tippecanoe and, and Tyler. I that's very cool. The things you learn on our podcast. Yeah. You know? All right. Um, Dave got to geek out there for a minute. Yep. Not since I went off on Rivendell during our magic episode. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, have we had the opportunity <laughs> to geek out like that? Um, okay, so uh, this is sad song number two for me. Sad song, sad, art, sad artist. Well, I mean, the fact that the, the conditions of his death, the fact that well, he was yeah. 30 years old and died in a plate crash, yeah. um, arguably hadn't reached his peak yet. Well, you know, again, ever since Judy Garland dampened the mood with the line until then we'll have to muddle through somehow in the, in the original take of, of have yourself a merry little Christmas the holiday season has been full of sad songs you know and, and it makes sense I mean the cold weather kind of mirrors the emotions a person feels when love is lost and the previous warmth inside the heart is replaced by an icy frost I mean I, I get it singer songwriter Jim Croce uh, vividly paints such scenes in my next uh, track. It, it's the beautiful ballad. It doesn't have to be that way. Snowy nights and Christmas lights. I see window panes. Make me wish that we could be together again. And the windy winter avenues just don't seem the same. And the Christmas carols sound like blues but the choir is not to blame but it doesn't have to be that way what we had should never have ended i'll be dropping by today cause we could easily get it together tonight it's only right 
Croce has always been a personal favorite of mine. I love the singer-songwriters of the 70s, and he is, you know, when we talk about Rock Hall snubs, I mean, this is the one one that really just, I, I get outraged that Croce is not in there yet. Um, yeah, he was a master storyteller, and his lyrics projected filmic scenarios, and this track is no exception. Um, here, Croce conjures up just this common seasonal imagery, you know, crowded stores, the corner Santa Claus, tinseled afternoons. However, the song's opening sets the somber tone for the verses. He sings, snowy nights and Christmas lights, icy window panes, make me wish that we could be together again. And in, in addition, he repeats the phrase on the windy winter avenues in the second verse to contrast the nostalgia of happier times with his former lover. Croce just, he creates this relatable, these relatable situations by channeling auditory associations that the listener can emotionally connect with. And, you know, he says, and the sidewalk bands play their songs slightly out of tune, and Christmas carols sound like blues, but the choir is not to blame. As the song progresses, the piano and the appreciated guitar and chords, they just underscore the drama. I mean, that's this song. I mean, it's just this melancholy nature of, of, you know, love lost but you know it, it I, I wish that more people knew this song I mean the sad songs never really but there's hope at the end of it th- there is yeah and, and I was gonna say you know sad songs don't fit nicely they don't play nicely with the more joyful holiday standards but this does contain something that a lot of sad songs don't there's that tonal shift that you're talking about uh, the chorus you know presents an optimistic outlook to the narrator's predicament you know he's he um as the chorus is repeated, bells and harpsichord enter the mix, and, and lyrically, uh, the narrator believes that whatever happened between him and his lover can be resolved. He sings, but it doesn't have to be that way. What we had should never have ended. I'll be dropping by today, because we can easily get it together tonight. It's only right. you know. And, and the narrator's resolution may come across as sentimental, but the, but the lyrics, they just strike the heartstrings in the right manner. And it marries this melancholy... And, and optimism into a bittersweet emotional experience. I I love this song, and nobody knows it. I I I don't know that I've ever heard this played on a Christmas. No, I haven't. I, on, mm-hmm. on a radio station during the Christmas season, and it is without question a Christmas song. Yeah. Um, I just I, I felt compelled to include it on this year's mixtape. I, I I love Jim Croce, and honestly, he's an artist that just looking at our past two seasons, I don't know that I've ever played a Croce tune. No, and on yeah. any of our mixtapes, and I thought, well, hell, I, that, that ain't right. So <laughs> I decided to throw this on, and it, it is a, you know, it's very obscure. Well, and if we're going along with Christmas songs that weren't necessarily Christmas songs, we should have done Billy Joel, She's Right on Time. I thought about it. But really, unlike this one, there is only one, it's just the first line, put up all the Christmas right, lights. Right. I don't think he mentions Christmas again after but that. But the vid- I guess the video, too, was Christmas-themed, so right. I thought about the video. Yeah, I... You know, I saw it once. I looked it up on YouTube, and it's it was. Oh, it was. I have it on DVD. Do you really? Yeah, I have all of the videos. Oh yeah, is that my DVD? No, but you're welcome to borrow. I it. vaguely recall getting it and loaning it to somebody because I, I was all excited it. that there was a video for James. Yeah, yeah, it's just so, like that's like a studio. Okay. Thing, but yeah, you're welcome to borrow. Yeah, I don't know what ever happened to mine, um, but yeah, no, I thought about she's right on time, and then I was like, eh, I, I don't know that you know one. One quick reference in the first line counts as a Christmas tune, but yeah, Jim Croce. This one is definitely a Christmas song, and it's it, it's just a beautiful ballad, which most of his songs were. So, all right, good pick. Your turn. Okay, so last season, 
You, I, you picked the sound. I was going classic. to reference that because yeah. I vaguely, no, I vividly <laughs> recall that last year when I named Silent Night Seven O'clock News, you said, and I quote, "Why the hell did you include that?" <laughs> and then you, I, I just, I, I got a laugh out of that because here we are again. A year well, later. I think my reaction was simply because it's such a heavy song. Yeah. Oh, it is. So it's kind of like wow, like downer you know but i understand completely why you chose it um but now i'm choosing this um one as a counter part to 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 yours and what we're talking about is the seven o'clock news slash silent night song that was originally recorded by simon and garfunkel simon and garfunkel uh in that song if you're not aware um do a nice uh, acapella version of silent night oh it's beautiful that repeats and as they are singing um, slowly, in the other speaker, in the opposite speaker, we have a news broadcast from the late 60s um, talking about all the different turmoil that's happening during that time period. Um, you know, serial, serial killers, Vietnam, uh, I believe. Civil rights. Civil rights, yeah. all sorts of just stuff going on. And we've talked about in this program that um, the last couple years um, have really began to feel culturally similar to what I would think it felt like to live in the late 60s. Of course, we weren't alive during that time period. Now, we're not seeing political leaders assassinated left and right, but we are seeing riots. We're seeing racial tensions that we thought may have disappeared. Um, We're seeing just, you know, obviously war and getting out of war and what just happened recently in, in Afghanistan. And and so we're at a time now, if, if, if history cycles, we're definitely in that cycle that kind of mirrors what happened back then. Oh. And so I remember thinking, boy, they should really redo this song. And like everything else, of course, it, it had been done. I just hadn't discovered it yet. And so looking it up, I found out that Phoebe Bridgers, who's one of the biggest you know things going on right now, uh, Fiona Apple, of course, uh, just released her COVID release, and it's tremendous, and Matt Berenger, uh, who is uh, lead singer of the National, uh, got together and they recreated the song and they modernized it. Um, in, in this version, which otherwise is pretty much like the same remake, right? You have, um, you have Fiona Apple and, and Phoebe Bridgers that are singing Silent Night. Matt Berenger is doing the, the actual newscaster. And we have right information about, um, uh, in this case, it's racially motivated police shootings freedom-restricting legislation, the failings of the Trump administration and its threat to our republic. And I just felt like it was important to include. will say though that this one feels far more political than Simon and Gar- Simon and Garfunkel's just felt and it may have it may have been controversial when it came out I mm-hmm. mean we it was before our time um certainly there were you know 
the South was not happy about civil rights and, you know, the conservatives wanted us to stay and win in Vietnam. I get that. But this one feels very pointed. Like, like they're real, they, they are definitely trying to make a statement about one side of a particular, of two. Oh, I think Simon and Garfunkel had taken a side very clearly. Oh, well, don't get me wrong. Simon and Garfunkel were very much, you they, know, they, 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 they were, were taking a side though, that, 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 that times are rough right now, that right. there's definitely not peace. Yeah. This one though, I mean, especially when they start talking about the, the abortion ban, it feels much more pointed, I guess. But think about it. In the late 60s is when kind of the abortion rights issue began oh, yeah. to be settled. And now, and, and this came out in 2019. Yeah. And what happened in Texas this year, right? This is this predates what's going on in Texas right now. Yeah. And so what they're trying to show is that we're sliding back in, in a different direction. Uh, a lot of that had been gained is now going backwards. You right. know, we were so progressive for a while and now we're taking steps back. Well, not only that, but they're, you know, they, they do talk about the failings of the Trump administration and that's well before the you know, the attack on the Capitol building. Um, well, Phoebe Bridgers uh, was quoted by Ro- uh, Rolling Stone. They interviewed her uh, when this song was released. Oh, okay. And uh, they asked her about it. And this is what she said. She said, quote, happy holidays to everyone whose family has been literally or figuratively torn apart by Donald Trump. And to my racist, xenophobic, misogynistic, hypocritical family members, F you. Thanks, Fiona, Matt, Simon, and Garfunkel. She said more than just F. Huh. We're a family program. I, I figured as much. So yes, <laughs> and, and, she was very poignant. And I don't know. It just I because I heard it and I thought you you know we've we've played uh, with political statements on on the podcast, right. but we've never taken we've never verbally taken a, a very direct position on one side or the other. I mean, I, I think anybody who's listened to us can guess where which side we fall on. Um, you know, I'm not disagreeing with what. Bridgers, Apple, and, and Berlinger are doing here by any means. Um, but it, it, it is. It just feels more political. The other thing about this, though, I I dig it. I like it. But Simon and Garfunkel's acapella version of Silent Night is just, it's so dreamy. I mean, it's Well, it's beautiful. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. yeah. And that, I guess that's the part that I was kind of like, I'm listening to this one. I'm like, no, no. They just, they don't, they don't got it. <laughs> but... But I, I totally get it. It was a nice throwback to you know uh, the '60s, a nice throwback to last year's uh, episode too. But yeah, I just I, I made me laugh because I, I saw it and I thought, mm, wait a minute, I, I I just remember your reaction. It, it, I don't know, found it funny. <laughs> but um, no, I had never heard this. I had never heard this version, and it's 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 kind of scary. Like well, and I even said last year when I played Simon and Garfunkel's, um, you know it. We're, this song could be made today. Yeah, I remember saying that, and, right. and here it here is. And yeah, it's very, very true. So, all right. Well, um, my next pick um, is uh, the the third and final Hanukkah song. Um, it is titled "Can I Interest You in Hanukkah?" It's by John Stewart and Stephen Colbert. Uh, came out in 2008. Was this um, from a clip from the show? It feels like it came from one of their shows. I think it had to. Yeah. I do. Because, you know, I I decided early on this year that I would throw a third Hanukkah song into the mix. But this track by Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert, I mean, it was the clear winner. But it is. It's it's more sketch than song. 
It's like a know? it's like a lounge. Yeah, it very song much. from a variety show. Yeah, the old Christmas classic. And, and variety it, show. it just sounds like it was part of the Daily Show. It was part of you know I, I think Colbert Report. One of those. Yeah, one of them. Or late night. Um, but but the two actors I, they, they banter in character about the intricacies of the Festival of Lights. I mean, he basically Stewart is teaching Colbert about Hanukkah. And it is just, it's fabulous. And it's laugh out loud funny, especially when John angrily explains candles <laughs> to Stephen Colbert. You have to hear the line. I mean, it's just... And Colbert is, is a practicing Catholic. He's yeah. very devout. Oh, yeah. And I just, I don't know. I I hear this every time and it just, I, by the end of the song, I'm laughing. I mean, it's just, they're having good fun, you know, and it, it's just, I, and it, it's really... You know, it's not even a Hanukkah song, really. It really is just a Happy Holidays yeah. song because it, it, both sides give. Well, it's you know, it's both sides coming to a common ground, right? And respecting each other's faith, exactly. Um, but Stephen Colbert gets that last that last jab yeah. because you know Stewart sings Happy Holidays to you, and as he's singing that, uh, you know, Colbert is very deliberately saying Happy Holidays to Jew. Can I interest you in Hanukkah? Maybe something in a festival of lights It's a sensible alternative to Christmas And it lasts for seven For you Eight Nine Hanukkah, huh? I've never really thought about it Well, you could do worse Is it merry? It's kind of merry Is it cheery? Is it jolly? Look, I wouldn't know from jolly But it's not my least unfavorite time of year When's it start? On the 25th Of December? Kislev Which is when exactly? I will check Are there presents? Yes, indeed, eight days of presents Which means one nice one Then a week of dread That takes us, sir (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to let you go. I will, right. I will give my opinion after you okay. are done. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you thought that Winter Wonderland was controversial. Yeah. I'm, um, uh, I want to say yeah. about 15 years ago or so, um, a well, 2012, so that would have been not quite 15 years ago, but um, wait a minute. No. Yeah. Whatever. Math. Math is hard. Uh, a while ago. Uh, a, a friend of mine that we went to college with um, that does not live locally, but we keep in contact occasionally, um, recommended this Christmas record is a triple album of Christmas music covers and originals from an artist I'd never heard of before. And uh, I was told specifically to listen to this track. And I remember the first time saying, what is this? And then I listened to it again, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't stop listening to this. And then I listened to the rest of it, and I became a Sushan Stevens fan for life. Okay, I'll interject real quick. I can very easily never listen to this again. Oh, my so goodness. I will. I, I, I withdraw. All again. right. You continue. <laughs> Why not end my set with a 12-minute surrealistic, surrealistic epic from Sushan Stevens? I know Sufjan isn't your thing, right? <laughs> Especially now. But everything he does interests <laughs> me to some level. So whereas he may not, yes, this may not be a song you listen to for pleasure. Mm. Um, artistically speaking, however, not all art, you, right? Not all art you necessarily want to hang on your wall and look at every single day, but you can still appreciate 
the artist's vision and what the artist is trying to say. That is true. But when we're making a mixtape for our listeners that they would want to oh, I listen think our to, listeners will I think some of our listeners will love this. <sighs> this was twenty five minutes I can never get back. And the reason it's twenty five <laughs> is because you listen to it twice. I well but there's a reason. I listened to this song, okay, and about one third I mean, the first three minutes okay I mean I, I, he's making some political religious statements that not I don't really because really? I it felt like when he's talking about the American with the credit card I on mean the wrist well we'll and, get to that he's but, making a statement yeah but, uh, but but I'm I'm listening to it I'm like okay it, it you know the, again it, it just strikes me as kind of pretentious but I'm like go with it once that ends it becomes the most repetitive the, I was going to say musically, I thought that'd be the one part you would like. No, no. It just builds and it oh, builds oh and my it builds. God. It's I, incredible. But I kept looking at the time signature and oh. thinking to myself, oh my God, there's still seven minutes left Yes, in this. because it's, and it's then, just building and it becomes, and then, it envelops you. Yes, and then 30 minutes passed and I looked at the time signature and I thought, there's still five minutes left of this. And then another <laughs> hour passes. All right, all right, all right. I, I, I mean, literally, I, heard, I would listen to this. It was so... I, I would have given anything to instead be listening to Nails on a Chalk. All right, all right, all right. You said you're saying, I'm going to continue. <laughs> Musically, the song builds and builds into a crescendo that eventually slips uh, into Joy Division's refrain of Love Will Tear Us Apart, which is brilliant. Um, lyrically, let's talk about lyrically. It's Sufjan's elusive way of expressing how Christmas is actually a collective of traditions. And I got that. Okay, yeah. and Sufjan comes from a from a Christian um, place. Uh, in, in fact, a lot of his earlier stuff um, may have even been seen as like a contemporary Christian, not not on a contemporary Christian label because he always had his own independent la- label with the Asthmatic Kitty. Um, but he was never afraid to um, explore his faith. And if you follow his career, which obviously he won't be, um, <laughs> how his faith has been challenged and changed and evolved over the years. And to just from that perspective, not being a lyrics guy, but to see someone that literally just is, bears his soul and is not afraid to um, express doubts and, and realize where he has maybe changed his thought process over the years, it's very interesting to me, okay? So anyway, um, he used to hate Christmas music. And, um, he began to explore some of the complexity. I won't get into the whole history of it, but long story short, he eventually becomes obsessed with Christmas music to the point where, like I said, he releases all these different Christmas songs, is able to produce a a triple Christmas album. And this is like the culminating song. Okay. So lyrically, it's this, this idea of it's a collective of traditions, right? So you have the celebration of the birth of Christ, which would be the original, right? Idea of Christmas. Then you have the inclusion of pagan traditions, Right. As Christianity began to spread, when they wanted more and more people to to be pulled into the faith, um, they allowed these pagan traditions like the Christmas tree, like the Yule log to also be incorporated into their Christmas tradition. And now you have the recent addition, which is the aggressive commercialism. That's the credit card that you mentioned. Right. And so basically Christmas is being kept in so many different ways by so many different people. But it is an American culture that is I mean, it's American pie. Right. It's baseball. And it's, it's Christmas, whether it's you're looking at secularly or materialistically or paganly or if it's just family time, it is something that is so big and gets bigger every single year. All right? And that's what I think he's trying to say in this song. Okay. Now, 
I digress. I was a little harsh. Not, <laughs> not really. I was dead. I was spot on. But but nonetheless, I, I what happened? It was actually we. I had just left. Did your, I say the name of the song yet? By the way. This is called the Christmas Unicorn. I don't think you did. No, <laughs> I literally the first time because I had played your picks a couple of times already, but I had not. I, I just I stopped it. This song every single time that I, I it came on, I listened to the first like two minutes, and I I would stop it and skip ahead. Well, the first time that I listened to this all the way through, I was actually driving home from your house this past week. Okay. Okay. And my my son is in the car with me. And we start listening to it. And both of us are just... See, I think Ben would like this. Ben liked parts of it. Okay. Ben Ben actually found the lyrics a, a bit fascinating. And then came just that repeated... Musical. Oh, that's what that's oh, Sujana's best. Oh, oh, Dave! But I, I'm sitting there listening to this. You're right? not a Philip Glass fan, though, either. No, See, I, lo- no, I love not. just the repetitive orchestration. But I, I just I, he and I are listening to this, and Ben is not enjoying the song, but he's enjoying watching me getting angry at the song. Okay, <laughs> and so we finally I, I listened to the whole thing, and I literally just I I tell Ben. This is a song I will skip ahead on from now on when I listen to this particular podcast, right? But we get home and I make the mistake of telling my wife about this song that Ben and I have just endured. And she says, it can't be that bad. And Ben says, why don't we play it for her? <laughs> there is the 25 Sweet. minutes that I can never get and back. And what was her opinion? Oh, she, I was kinder to it than oh, she man. was. Oh, man. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, I just, oh, I, I, I just, here's the thing. During the Uncharted episode, when you played, the, I forget which track it was, but the, you, the track that you chose, which had that jazz flair. Sure. yeah, yeah. You almost had me. I was, I was. Well, you gotta take it all. I was open minded, and I was thinking I might give this guy a try. Now, granted, I have not listened to anything by him since that episode. But then you threw this. At me. Well, okay, put and, it this way: there's some. I, I could make a playlist of Sushan that you would love. Okay, and I could make a playlist that you'd absolutely okay. hate. Okay, clearly we found what you hate. <laughs> Don't listen to the album The Age of Ads because you would absolutely hate oh, that. Yeah, but the album Chicago you would like. Okay, or yeah, Illinois. Because or Illinois. I, I mean, you almost had me for the you know in Uncharted, and then so I, I actually went into this, and I'm thinking. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a chance. Oh, <laughs> this this like made me run. Well, I, I'm not apologizing. With my tail between not my legs. apologizing for it. Not second guess. Sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't. But not apologizing. Oh, no, no, no. And I, I'm not. I'm in no way suggesting right. you should take it off. I'm going to finish reading. Go for it. A little blurb. Okay. That Sufjan wrote in the liner notes of the record. Maybe this will help. Now it's not going to help you musically, but maybe it'll help you lyrically. Uh, okay. 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 He said, in spite of my best judgment, in spite of public opinion, in spite of common decency, in spite of seasonal affective disorder, mental disease, and Christmas fatigue, I've continued the musical tradition ever, onward, forward, amen, in pursuing all inexplicable songs of the holidays. Uh, season after season, without rhyme or reason, relentlessly humming, strumming, finger-picking, ivory-tickling, finger-licking, soul-searching, fact-finding, corporate ladder-climbing, magic, hater, rabbit-hiding, rapping, slapping, supersizing, miming, grinding, flexing, perplexing, plucking, and strumming all the celestial strings of merriment with utmost Napoleonic fever. This tradition will not die. What, it is, what is it about Christmas music that continues to agitate my aging heartstrings? 
Is it the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, or the boundless potential energy inherent in this bastard holiday so fitfully exploited, subverted, confounded, expounded, adopted, and adapted with no regard for decency? Christmas is what you make of it. And its songs reflect mystery and magic as expertly as the clatter and clang with the most audacious and rambunctious annotations of irreverence. And all its silly putty, slippery slope, slapdash, menagerie of subject matter, be it Baby Jesus or Babes in Toyland, readily yields itself to the impudent whims of its contemporary benefactors, myself included. I'm a Christmas unicorn in a uniform made of gold. With a billy goat beard and a sorcerer's shield and a mistletoe on my nose. Oh, I'm a Christian holiday. I'm a symbol of original sin. I've a pagan tree and a magical wreath and a bow tie on my chin. Oh, I'm a pagan heresy. I'm a tragical Catholic shrine I'm a little bit shy with a lazy eye And a penchant for sublime Oh, I'm a mystical apostasy I'm a horse with a fantasy twist Though I play all night with my magical guide People say I don't exist For I make no full apology For the category I reside I'm a mythical mess with a treasury chest I'm a construct of your mind Oh, I'm hysterically American I've a credit card on my wrist And I have no I don't know. I, I just really, I'm hoping that our listeners actually make it through the song to actually get to George Harrison at the end. Well, what's great is they can also always click the forward button to the next That time. That's true. But I would say, at least at least listen to it one time all the way through. I'm, I have no don't. doubt. I have no doubt there are people, we have listeners that are going to enjoy this song. But I just... Let us know what you think. Uh, I want to hear feedback from you guys. I, I want to know. I mean, I'm going to keep I score just, here. I'm going to keep score. I have never, you've never given me a song in any of our podcast episodes <laughs> where I literally yes. just wanted to destroy my radio. No apologies. And it's funny because, you know, I, now that we're swapping, I, I took notes and wrote down thoughts about your songs. I have one word, one word only as my note for Christmas Unicorn. Why? <laughs> well, I just told you <laughs> that why, is so. my note, and I, I I'm just like, uh, but yeah, it, it's. It, I, I put on a pair of headphones, and to me, the song is like two minutes, like like thirty seconds. Like I had to listen to it again. I'm like the song's over already. Like that's how deep I get into his music. His music to me is meditative. It's almost trance-like. It's almost like an acid trip. It is. I put the headphones on and I disappear in this world of magic with Susan Stevens. Okay, you are hearing something I'm not. Yeah. Which which is in which is on me. I you no, know no no it's just different. Well, no no it, it's, it is it's personal I mean, taste. You know as as an English teacher, right? I I've told my students countless times that you know if you don't like a particular piece of literature, the problem does not the problem is not with the literature. The problem is with you because you lack something within that allows you to make the necessary connection. Whether it be nah, you can still not like something. Well, in literature. well, yeah, but what I'm saying is maybe not understand. Well. But what I'm saying is the books that we teach in in school. 
they're much loved by millions and some of them have been much loved for centuries you know so if you don't connect it's not that the literature is bad it's that you don't have you there's something that is lacking that doesn't allow you to make that that connection that is very obviously the case here because you are hearing something in this song that i just let me put it this way for most people things like most people drinks like coffee uh, whiskey, right? right? Even beer are acquired tastes. Yeah. The first time you take a sip, you're like, oh, why does everybody like this? And for whatever reason, we continue to try them. And a lot of people get to a point where they become coffee addicts or they're connoisseurs of, of whiskey. I think Sufjan's music is a lot like that. It's not candy coated. It doesn't taste sweet. Or not all of it. Some of it is. But the more that you give it time, the more you read about it or hear about it or listen to it or talk to people about the music, the more you come to be able to appreciate it. Okay. And I'm, yeah, I, again, I'm in no way am I, you know, being being confrontational saying, why is this, we can take it off or anything of that nature. It's just, I'm listening to this and I'm like, I, my one word statement, why? why? Well, my, my wife would agree with you. Okay. Um, most people I know would agree with you. Okay. I, I stand alone um, with oh, a lot of my music choices. I just, oh, it was just so, it was unlike anything I'd ever heard. And I just. I, it just kept going. And I, I kid you not, I kept looking at the time signature thinking this song has to be over and I'm not even halfway through the song and I'm thinking... That might have been your problem. See, not just put on put on a pair of headphones, closing your eyes and just getting lost in the music. You were too concerned about okay, it. Okay, well, it it's end. not getting 37 minutes of my life, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, all right. So, all okay. right, we're done with I Christmas Unicorn. Yes, I, um, Let us know, though. I, I, I want to hear from everybody. Vote. Send us through social media, email somehow. Um, we have several different ways you can get a hold of us. Yeah. Let us know whether or not I'm right. Is he right? Is it somewhere in between? I'd like to hear. Yeah, I, I just it, it made me laugh because I remember you asked me on Uncharted, what is it about Sue John Stevens I don't like? And I said, from my perspective, there's too much Sue John in every Sue John song. Right. And then you gave me a 12 and a half minute unicorn <laughs> song. <laughs> I. I resisted, the temptation. Its- <laughs> I resisted the temptation to include it last year. Oh. This year, I didn't. Oh, last year, I probably would have went off the rails <laughs> because I wouldn't have had any... I, it would have just been totally unexpected. But I really do think there are some Sufjan that you would like. That's, uh, that seems very be, diverse. What, are there any Christmas songs by him that I... Some might, are very traditional. Some are... are well, I'm not asking traditional. I like the originals. But is there anything that I would have acclimated to and thought this isn't half bad? Oh, yeah. Lots of his stuff. But you this, sh- is, this is definitely the weirdest song okay. on, on the album. So you... Okay. But this is also the song that, <laughs> just, uh, that A, got me into Sufjan, that was recommended to me. It is also the song that most Sufjan fans are going to point to and say, yeah, that's one of his most epic achievements. Um, when you listen to the Silver and Gold record, that's the, that's the payoff. Everything builds to that song. Oh, this is the song that got you into him? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't Because you know what? When I listen to Sutan, I'm along for the ride. I don't, I don't have any expectations. Um, when a new album drops, I'm not expecting, I know he could take me anywhere. I just let the music take me. I, I don't force any of my expectations onto the music. Fair enough. And I, I respect that. And I, 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 I appreciate your appreciation for him. And I have no doubt, because again, on the Uncharted track that you, you used last Well, season, I knew you'd like that one, because you're yeah. a jazz fan. That's why I chose that but one. But I just, oh, I, I oh, okay, well, I've had my say. And, and you clearly love this song. Now, by the way, there are songs I could choose that you would, if you didn't like this one, you would really, really hate. There's worse? Well, 
this is a matter <laughs> from, of perspective. From my, from my pers- perspective. But, uh, well, let's just say he released three or four albums recently. They're all just instrumental, repetitive type, tra- kind of basically like the end of The Christmas Unicorn, but that's the entire album. Yeah. What is the appeal? I don't, I don't journey. get it. I it's, don't it's, get it's, it. It's, it's, it's escaping into a different reality. It's, I mean, it, it's very it, cosmic. <laughs> okay. I And I... I, I just, I don't get it. So let's move on. All right. All right. So my last pick is actually kind of repetitive, really. It is. Um, but it's a beetle. So, you know, that, that that's a totally different uh, category in, in, in its entirety. Um, I went with uh, a song titled Ding Dong Ding Dong by George Harrison. It came out in 1974. Um Many of our listeners, again, may not know this, uh, which really shouldn't surprise anybody because George remains overshadowed by Paul's Wonderful Christmas Time and John's Happy Christmas The War Is Over when it comes to holiday classics. But to be fair, this single off of the very underrated uh, album Dark Horse is technically not a Christmas song. This one is a New Year's anthem. Which I almost thought about including uh, What Are You Doing New Year's Eve? I did too. In fact, I had that one first, and then I thought... No, this is an opportunity to throw on because there's the Ella version. Uh, Harry Connick has a version on that same album we yeah. talked about last week. Yeah, so I and I, I thought about that. I thought about that one last season actually too. But this time I thought I I I just really want to hear Ding Dong Ding Dong. So I, I threw it on, and it is it's a it's a New Year's anthem. Uh, it has you know the chiming bells and this upbeat mood. It it certainly merits a spin every time the big ball drops at midnight and. It's just it's it's a fun song. Is it repetitive? Yeah, but it, is it as repetitive as "I got my mind set on you"? No, no, <laughs> no. Oh, see, I almost which said, is a cover, of course. I but. almost just now said nothing is as repetitive as "Got my mind set on you" because I totally already have thrown the last discussion out of out of mind. Um, <laughs> ring out the old, ring in the new. Yeah, and it is a fun song though. Ding dong, ding dong is, and it's one that I you never hear. No, I, mean, I no. don't. I I don't think I've ever heard it, even at the holiday season. And it's just you know, it, it's it's a fun way to end the the mixtape. I I'm not sure how we're going to sequence yet, but certainly, I this is the only New Year's anthem that we've chosen. So I, I would think this comes last. But that means people have to get through Suf John Stevens to get <laughs> to get here. We have to sequence this <laughs> mixtape. Yep. So we will be right back. We will be right back after this. All right, we are back, and uh, yeah, it was it was not impossible to sequence, but some of them were difficult. Some were. Like, yeah. where do you put <laughs> the Christmas unicorn <laughs> uh, at the end? That's where I saw it at the end. But. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely goes at the end. I'm, but again, you got to get through that one or or skip that one to get to George Harrison. But I, 
Um, now, the hardest one was 2,000 years because that, you know, with a long fade in, you would think that it would fit anywhere, but it it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't quite work. So that one, I, we put it where it makes the most sense, and it's not bad, but it, it's certainly, that's the one part that doesn't flow truly organically, but it, it it's it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good, and really, this is a this is a excuse my language. We've we've said worse on this particular episode, but this is a kick-ass mixtape. Quite frankly, it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to from start to finish. So let's give you the rundown. We start side A with "Sleigh Ride" by the Ronettes. That goes into "It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year" by Andy Williams. Everybody's waiting for "The Man with the Bag" by K Star, which apparently. You might want to skip that one as well because it's oversaturated. Well, that doesn't mean you can skip it a lot. That's why it's so prevalent because people like it. Well, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Um, but I, I just didn't know. Uh, the next one is uh, That You, Santa Claus by Louis Armstrong. That goes into It Must Have Been Old Santa Claus. Oh, I love that song by Harry Connick Jr. Then I'm Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by Tom Lear. Monster Holiday by Lon Chaney Jr. The Chipmunk Song. Christmas Don't Be Late by Alvin and the Chipmunks and David Seville. Santa's Beard by They Might Be Giants into Please Daddy Don't Get Drunk This Christmas by the Decemberists. Merry Christmas I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by the Ramones. And we end Side A with Winter Wonderland by the Eurythmics. So Side B, here we go. We begin with Little Saint Nick by the Beach Boys. That goes into Christmas All Over Again by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The Hanukkah Song Part 2 by Adam Sandler. Into Christmas in the City by Mary J. Blige with an assist by Angie Martinez. Purple Snowflakes by Marvin Gaye. Hard Candy Christmas by Dolly Parton. It Doesn't Have to Be That Way by Jim Croce. Can I Interest You in Hanukkah by Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert. 2,000 Miles by The Pretenders. 7 O'Clock News, Silent Night by Phoebe Bridgers, Fiona Apple, and Matt Berenger. Christmas Unicorn by Sue John Stevens. And we end our mixtape as, as I kind of planned with Ding Dong Ding Dong by George Harrison. It is actually a very, it's a very cool mixtape. Yeah. Uh, it, it follows in genres. I mean, the easiest way to, to sequence was to put like songs together, which is always how it works. So... You have your big band block, and you have your novelty block, and then you know your your '80s new wave. But it is—it really is. It's going to be a great listen from start to finish. So, except for the unicorn song in your mind. Well, in, in my mind, <laughs> but you—you're going to put it on repeat and never get to George Harrison. So we—I I get it. Oh, I'll get to George Harrison. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm sorry if I came across too abrasive. No, no, this just, is what I like about this show. We I can just, discuss these things. Uh, this is the kind of discussion we would normally have just have, and then we'd say, why, why didn't we record that? That's a, that's a great podcast episode right there. That is true. And so that's what we did. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I will ever ask you to defend yourself as you just did, but maybe the day will come when you'll do, expect the same. I don't thing. know that I have any other musical interests that are quite as far out there as Sushan, so I don't, probably won't have to. I don't think there are any other musicians that can be. As, oh, there's some stuff out there. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, well, I'm sure there is, but I'm, I'm unfamiliar with that until you introduce me to it as well. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just uh, please let us know. I, I really I I want to hear from our listeners. 
what do you think of this song? Because I'm I'm dying to know. Because if Dave's right, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe overwhelmingly, there's no right. It's it's eye of the beholder. It really is. It's well, no it's no different than going to a gallery and someone looks at a, the same painting. and One I, person finds meaning. The other person says, "Why was this even hanging up on the wall?" And I, I get that. You know, there's a there's a clear difference between a Renoir and a Warhol. I, I get that. I love Warhol. But by the way, that wasn't a cut. But, but but I mean, there's like like okay, so we can all agree like on a certain pop song. Even if you don't like pop music, you can say I can see why this is popular. There's melody. It's catchy. There's a hook that stays in your mind. But when you get into like the whole art area where it's just there's no there's no relative substance to ground it to what we perceive as reality in terms of of, of that type of music or, or cinema. It, it'd be kind of like um, watching you know art an art film. Where yeah. it, like some German art film, right? Where you'd be like, "What? What is going on?" And some people, someone would watch it, and and they pull something from it. It made them feel a certain way, or made them think of something. And the other person just sees nothing but randomness. That's what. That's why it's difficult to object objectively have an opinion on. Wait, which I yeah. It's experience. It's experience, experiential. Is that the one word? Yeah, it's, it's it's the word. I um. Well, and I and I totally get that. But I mean, I can sit through Ingmar. Bergman and enjoy every minute of it. I just, I this one is beyond me. Sue John Stevens is, it, it's, I it's something that's missing in me. So, please give us your thoughts. I'm just, I'm curious. I mean, maybe overwhelmingly people are going to like this song. And I, would be I will eat my words. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> so, anyway, um, that's it. That's we, all. We are. We are. That, that's all for our for special episode. A while. I, I, are we going to do a Valentine's Day maybe. episode? Yeah, maybe. All right. So uh, we we may be back in February for another round. It won't be couple skate, but you know something. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe throw some love songs your way. Um, but otherwise, uh, we are on hiatus until May. So uh, loved coming back and, and doing this for you. We hope you enjoy yourself and. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, uh, Happy Krumpusnacht, um, Happy you know, Solstice, whatever you whatever you celebrate, um, Happy Life Day, Happy Holidays, Happy Happy uh, Festivus. Did you already say Festivus? I did not say Festivus. No, I got caught up on on Krampus. So. <laughs> Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next season. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, hit eject, and skip track. 23 <laughs> and we will see you on the flip side.